0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Matt Denby and here's what's coming up on this week's binge list. With lots of gratuitous nudity. The first question
1: is why the F would you go on a reality TV show?
0: There is a strange obsession with installing fire pits and pizza ovens in people's gardens.
2: <laughs> why are you wearing so many clothes?
0: Welcome back to Binge List, your weekly guide to the best on TV. I'm your host, Matthew Denby, and joining me are WHO Magazine's TV experts, Gavin Scott and Claire Rigdon, who's just back from holidays. Welcome back, guys. Hi. Hello. Now, we've got some great shows for you this week, so let's get straight into it. Going home can be tough for a lot of young people from fraught backgrounds, and that's exactly what's being faced by Camille Preaker, played by Amy Adams in Showcase's new miniseries, Sharp Objects. She's a big city reporter who has been sent against her will to a small rural town to investigate some very disturbing crimes. And what she meets there, especially in her own family home, proves she's definitely right to be feeling on the edge. This one's really atmospheric and even dreamlike, and we've got a really intriguing mystery to kick things off with, with two girls missing. What did you think, Gavin?
2: The crime at the centre of this show uh, is one of those small-town crimes that doesn't get that much attention, you know, these horrible things that happen in small-town USA, everywhere. But a newspaper editor picks up on it and sends Camille down to cover it. She just happens to come from Wind Gap, which I have to say is the worst name for a town ever, (laughs) Wind Gap. Um, (laughs) And the fact that she's from there gives her an inn. But to be honest, everyone in the town has an inn. It's one of those towns where everyone knows each other. Everyone knows exactly what's going on. They're all in each other's business. And so investigating this crime really requires uh, Camille to get back in touch with her roots and speak to people she hasn't spoken to in a long time and, and, you know, dig beneath the surface. There's a lot going beneath the surface in, in this town. Claire, were you hooked by the crime?
1: Oh, I was hooked by everything about this right from the get go. Um, interestingly, yesterday I read some news report that said uh, everybody can forget every other performance this year and just hand the best actress Emmy to uh, Amy Adams, who is this, plays the central role. And I totally agree. There's something really mesmerising about her performance in this, and it's it's got kind of almost a dreamlike quality to to it, both her performance and the way that this is shot. It's a really, really interesting slow paced but it gets you hooked in right from the get-go. It's interesting there's some amazing people behind this show. There's Marty Noxon is the showrunner. She's got this incredible CV. She was in charge of Buffy season six. I don't know, Gavin, you're a big Buffy fan, right? Uh, It was a bit of a malign season, but I I think a lot of people also loved it.
2: Yeah, it's it's probably my least favourite season of (laughs) Buffy, but Marty Noxon is great. I think she's also involved in Unreal, which we all love. Um, so she's, yeah, she's definitely got TV cred and, and obviously Jean-Marc Vallée, the, uh, director of Dallas Buyers Club and Big Little Lies. And obviously he also did, um, Wild with with Reese Witherspoon. So he's done great films and great TV. He's the director on this and it really does feel like a movie, an eight hour movie. It's proper premium drama with, you know, the big name star, the big name director and the luxury of being able to take a time, take its time telling its story Um, Matt, I know you're a fan as well, aren't
0: you? Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed this a lot And I think part of the thrill is this this sort of emerging backstory That starts to develop in the first episode Where Camille goes home to the family home And my God, straight away this tension with the mother The mother is extremely neurotic, extremely controlling Very sort of disturbing character And you know that this whole relationship between her and Camille Is going to erupt as the story goes along, don't you Claire?
1: Oh, absolutely. And she's played by Patricia Clarkson, who is one of my favourite actors, um, American actors. Most recently, I was obsessed with her performance in House of Cards. She, uh, pops up in the most recent season and, um, it looks like she'll probably have quite a big role in, in the rebooted season with, um, that's coming out soon. But she's amazing. so uh, this whole cast is great. Um, there's also, um, an Australian actress who plays uh, Patricia Clark Clarkson's other daughter, who's this really, really interesting character. I've forgotten her name. Can anyone remember? She's the ex woman away.
2: Anyway. Eliza Scanlon, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. She is um, incredible, and she's got quite a challenging character to play. So when we first meet um, this other daughter in episode one, she is essentially has sort of like two personalities. There's the one that she plays up for her mum, which is like good girl, Kind of character, and the other is she's sort of got this rebellious streak that she hides from her mum. That Amy Adams character kind of sees play out. So it's very layered. I think all the the performances in this are layered. Interestingly, Danny Castellano from the Mindy Project pops up. Who's uh, who's the guy that plays him? He plays a um a detective who is working on the story of these murdered. Murdered girls. Uh, it's kind of a bit of a jarring thing to see him pop up in this role because uh, for me, like, he'll always be Danny Castellano. What did you think of? <laughs> like,
2: yeah, Chris, Chris Messina. He's he's yeah, the yeah right. kind of I guess the straight guy. Um, while, while all this is going on, Elizabeth Perkins is another one who's in this who was great in Weeds. And and Elizabeth and Patricia, they're so good. They can do comedy really well. I loved Patricia in EZA. I loved Elizabeth in Weeds. But they're also really great at drama. There's kind of no. no no role that they can't do, um, whatever the genre. And Amy Adams is a little bit like that. She's not my favourite actress in any particular genre, but the fact that she can pretty much slot into anything musical, drama, comedy is is impressive. I also loved how the the young actress who plays um, Camille, I guess, in flashbacks, looks so much like her. It,
3: it's really, really spot on. Yes, yeah, she,
1: she does, doesn't she? Hey, Sydney Sweeney also pops up, which um, people might know as Nick's child bride in The Handmaid's Tale. So I, I just, when I was Googling this show, I figured that out. I was like, ah. Oh. But so I'm yet to figure out who she is, but she pops up apparently in this as well.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, for me, sharp objects, it, it, I don't know if this is, is makes sense, but the show feels like a heatwave. Everyone is yeah. Everyone is sweaty. It's always hot. I mean, there's that great scene where Camille talks to the local head of police or whatever he is, and he's just dripping in sweat. And she's getting around in these jeans and jumpers, and you're like, why are you wearing so many clothes? And then that becomes obvious. Obviously, the first episode has gone to air, so people who have seen it know, you know, and also know why it's called Sharp Objects. But um, that, I found that really, you know, oppressive. She's getting around in these heavy jumpers and stuff and it's so, the heat is so oppressive. Her mum's wearing these flouncy summer dresses and it's, you know, really hot and they're having cocktails because it's so hot. But you can really feel almost the heat radiating, radiating off the TV. Yeah.
1: yeah, I really felt that during the first season of uh, True Detectives um, with Matthew McConaughey and um, Woody Harrelson in it. That it had that same kind of sticky, hot, Sultry, deep South kind of feel to it, and there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot to compare in this. I mean, Patricia Clarkson also. Um, there's a bit of a Blanche Dubois Bois from Streetcar Named Desire sort of vibe about her, the performance she gives as the mum in this. Um, I did read somewhere that she's quite famous for that role in New York. She played it back in 2003, and it, I feel like she's channeling quite a bit of that because something very creepy about the mum. There's something very kind of sort of. Oh, yeah, it all just its very atmospheric. I I love
0: this. Yeah, the execution of this show is beautiful. Now, people who listen to this podcast know that I don't have the greatest tolerance for shows that uh, have a slow pace or run on too long, but I don't care that this has a a slow start. I love the dreamy atmosphere of it. I love the sense of heat that you talk about, the beautiful shots of uh, rural America, the town, the imagery is amazing. So, if you haven't watched Sharp Objects yet, everyone, check it out. It's available now on Facebook. Foxtel Showcase Binge List Brought to you by Who Magazine well, it started a bit unsteadily back in 2013, but Channel 7's renovation show House Rules has really hit its stride since, especially with the addition of controversial British judge Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. We're up to the final stretch of the current season, with the gardens getting a makeover, and we're seeing some memorable results and some killer lines from LLB. Guys, I loathe the block, but I'm a fan of this one. There have been some great renovations this season, the casting of the different teams is spot on, and I really think LLB is hysterical. What do you think,
2: yeah, I, I am a House Rules novice or a House Rules virgin. I dunno don't, don't what's more appropriate to say. I've never watched House Rules before this week and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna check it out because it's you know, we're up to episode thirty seven or something crazy of this season. It's one of one of those shows that's on quite a lot during the week. Um so I thought, well, I should really watch it because, you know, everyone's talking about it. And I kind of had no idea what was going on or who anyone is. It's not one of those shows where they really hammer home, this is the villain or this is the bitch or this is the underdog. Um, It seems that the focus is more on what they're doing to the houses. And obviously those personality clashes happen and there's friction and all that kind of thing. But to me, the the hero of the story was the renovations and, and were the makeovers and things like that which I kind of liked. Everyone knows about these shows that, that you can be edited a certain way or that's the theory. It didn't feel like that was happening. It didn't feel like they were deliberately pigeonholing contestants and it seemed like the contestants were all really enthusiastic about what they were doing and and really trying to do the best work. Claire, what do you think of House Rules?
1: It was a lot kind of gentler and easier to watch than I thought that it might be. I thought there might be a lot more kind of drama and, yeah, character pigeonholing. But the thing that really struck me about this show as a sort of first-time viewer was how approachable the Renaults feel. Like, You know, in some of these other um, shows, you you kind of feel they're a little bit out of your price range. You know, the budgets that they're working with, are astronomical, the houses that they're doing are often... Multi million dollar properties, whereas this kind of felt like the kind of thing you could do with a trip to Adair's and a couple of bucks at Kmart. Like, <laughs> it might be overstretching a little bit. I mean, obviously, the ones, the episode I watched, they were creating some kind of Babo bar in, in the back of a farm building, you know, like, which is just totally unrealistic for most of us who live in tiny apartments and houses. Like, the idea that you could create a, a little pub in your backyard is hilarious to me. But, you know, if you had a bit of money and a A little bit of time on your hands, you could actually use this show and sort of as a as a practical instruction on how to actually do these little Reno projects. What do you reckon, Gab? Am I? Is that why you like this show?
2: The makeovers and, and the renos are, are, are yeah, clearly the best bit. I don't know that I'd actually want any of these shows, or specifically House Rules, in this case, touching my house or backyard show. <laughs> so I'm a little bit worried. Not not that I don't think they, they <laughs> you know, would take responsibility and all that kind of stuff, but I am a bit of a control freak, and I don't know that I would want people who are, I guess, competing with me coming in and changing this and changing that, and I'd be worried about the time factor and whether they do a job that I could then live with or whether I would just have to go and, and undo it and all and things like that. But Matt, is, is that ever an issue on the show? Do, do people really worry about the makeovers and, and uh, things like that? Are, are they there to stay or are they kind of just for the show?
0: It depends on who's doing the renovations because sometimes on this show, people do fall out and they take the renovations that their competitors do quite personally. And sometimes that's fair enough. I think there's been some great drama over the years on this show. Some people really do clash. The casting generally is fantastic, though, on this show. Kim and Michelle, the mother and daughter team, make great TV. They've had some fantastic moments so far. And as you say, the makeovers really do act as the bedrock for this show. They're what make it so popular. The only thing I will say is that with house rules, much like uh, many other renovation shows, there is a strange obsession with installing fire pits and pizza ovens in people's gardens. (laughs) Do you know anyone who has a fire pit or or an outdoor pizza oven?
1: I don't even know anyone with a backyard. Like I live live in inner city Melbourne and all you know, which is a which is the price you pay, I guess. But um you know, like I look at these people with these huge suburban backyards and renovating pools and putting in like water play areas for their kids and I just look at it look out at the sad little kind of concrete slab in my backyard and just go, Oh my God, it'll be amazing to have this Space and the room to do all this stuff, which I guess is kind of why I quite liked watching this because I was—it's—it's a, it's a good little escapist thing. But my thing watching on the weekend was like, wasn't the um, wasn't one of the things that they had to include blue in it? Yes. And I wanted them to paint that pizza blue. It looked amazing. Yeah, anyway, a blue pizza me. oven. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I I think you're right. But on the block as well, there's always a fire pit. Someone always sticks a fire pit in. Also, people love an outdoor kitchen, don't they? I mean, do you know anyone with an outdoor kitchen? I don't.
0: No, I don't. But the other thing I love about this show is the energy between the judges. It's just so well cast. Drew Heath, Wendy Moore and LLB, they have some great uh, clashing moments when they judge the spaces. What do you think of the judges, Claire?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I do like LLB. He's um he's a bit of a, a legend, isn't he? I he's kind of larger than life. I think a lot of the success of these shows rests on the judges. I mean, the block is the same. The the dynamic that Neil and Shana and Darren have is really great, and I really noticed that on this one as well. That that they kind of riff off each other really well. And you've got to always have people that have a very something very distinct to say. Like you can't just kind of faintly praise everything and I kind of liked the fact that if they didn't like something on this show that they were like, yeah, that's not working for me but they gave credit where it was due like with those two guys in the country. You know, they actually did do a really good job. So, um, yeah, Gav, well, do you reckon you'll be tuning in again?
2: I I'm Just just on the judges, I remember seeing Lawrence on uh, Changing Rooms in the yes. UK two decades ago when I lived over there and it, it was, at, I guess, the start of his TV career and, and he was, yeah, he was a sensation when when he started on that show and, and was huge in the UK. Um, and so it's really interesting that, that he's managed to to spin that out for, for 20 years, basically. And yeah. I guess that goes to the fact that he's, he does know what he's talking about. He is good TV, that kind of thing. I mean, you wouldn't have a career this long in, in the fickle world of reality TV if you didn't know what you were talking about. Um, and you weren't good at talking about it. So um, so, that's, so that's, yeah, it, it's good to see him all these years later doing that. Um, yeah, would I tune in again? I mean, like you, Claire, it is a big-time commitment, this show, but I must say I was pleasantly surprised by House Rules. I instantly dismiss a lot of these, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows just because I'm like, oh, gosh, I, I just don't have the time, and also am I going to care enough? But this one I didn't mind because, you know, I have a house, and I would like to do things to my house, and so you get some ideas. Matt, what about you?
0: Yeah, I love it. I watch it uh, every week. I think it's a really (laughs) fantastic show. I advise you to watch it if you've never watched it before. Check out House Rules. It's currently screening on 7 and available to view on 7 Plus. TV News. It's TV News time and trust us, the ABC is going to be making headlines with the return of its compelling Q&A show You Can't Ask That. This program, which allows marginalised groups the chance to answer questions sent in by the public, has been a cult hit on iview for a long time now and the latest series is really going to have people talking. We start off with a very confronting episode about victims of sexual assault and then we move on to Light Affair with former reality show contestants telling all. Except that particular episode really isn't as light as you might expect with some revelations that are quite shocking. Claire I know you love this show as much as I do.
1: I absolutely adore this show and I'm so pleased that it's been nominated for a Logie and um, yeah look it's 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 a very interesting concept where members of the general public submit questions on topics and then they get people to honestly sit down and answer them. There's something very raw about it, especially in some of the heavier episodes. For example, the first episode back is all um, about sexual assault and they are asking people who have experienced it to answer questions and they're filming their responses. And I have to admit, uh, I couldn't, actually get through this episode i found it extremely traumatic to listen to which i guess is the point it's very confronting and it's going to get people talking but um yeah one of the problems i had with it was some of the questions that they were asking these people um you know, like, who was sending those in? Matt, did you feel the
0: same way? Yeah, it's quite shocking and confronting, because every horrible victim-blaming question you've ever heard asked of a sexual assault victim gets asked in this episode. It's very, very confronting. Who actually would type something in and send it off like this? It's just appalling. But, to their credit, uh, the survivors of sexual abuse featured here handle it extremely well, and they shame the people who ask these questions by telling the truth and busting these ridiculous myths that Still persist about people who've been sexually assaulted. What did you think, Gavin?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's interesting what you'd say about you know who would ask this question, um, and this show reminds me kind of that of that uh, segment on one of the late night shows, American late night shows, celebs reading mean tweets, <laughs> yeah. where celebrities read the things people have tweeted at them, and and again they're awful and, and insulting and things like that. And I think it, both that segment and this show does a very good job of exposing that and going okay people are asking this people possibly shouldn't be asking this but they are all right let's answer it let's address it let's demystify this whole thing let's actually deal with this in a constructive way let's um not give them the power let's let's own it and and give us yeah uh, give us the power by answering it and going okay you want to know here's your answer next yeah and i think that i think that's really good um it, it's great to open dialogue about, you know, quote-unquote marginalised segments of Australian society. that That's the word that the show uses, not me. Um, and, you know, demystifies things about minorities for mainstream Australia. Of course, I'd say ABC viewers are probably already quite enlightened. So I'd like to see, you know, all sorts of people who don't normally tune into ABC shows um, watching this because I think it, it'd be great for... You know, Everyone in Australia to, to see this Kind of show and have a dialogue about These kind of issues that, that are raised What yeah. do you think Matt?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing Show, I found it by accident just by um, Running through iview one time Last year and I just binged the whole Series, it's incredibly compelling Stuff and it's great to hear people who Don't get to speak uh, Taking a platform and uh, telling their, their truth to the world I think that this show deserves Every credit that it's got so far I think it's amazing, um, the sexual Sold episode, yes, compulsory viewing. Um, but it does also tackle some subjects that are a bit more trivial and a bit more silly. Claire, there's the second episode about uh, reality TV graduates. Tell us all about that.
1: Yeah, this one was really interesting. I mean, you've got a selection of people who have appeared on reality TV over years. You've got way back, uh, you've got way back in the day, Sarah Marie of the Bunny Ears fame from Big Brother. You've got Mick Donagher, who you could argue is the originator of of the genre through Sylvania Waters. Ryan Jones from The Bachelorette. You've got Lauren from MKR. Rob Mills from Australian Idol. He has a particularly interesting story, um, which, uh, Gav, I think you'll have a chat about in a minute. But the other one that really stood out was Sheridan Wright, who people might remember from The Biggest Loser. Now, she lost an... And a ton of weight. Um, she says some really interesting things about um, why why she decided to go on the TV show. One of the questions, the first question is why the S would you go on a reality TV show? Which I think is a really good question. Um, and she she says something really interesting when she says, "Well, I really hoped that it would um, sort of help me with some issues that I had no right to ask for help anyone else to help me with." Which I thought was really interesting. Um, yeah, and there's another really interesting woman, Kate Gladman, who was on Big Brother. She's now a barrister or something, but back in the day, she just dreamt of having reality TV fame, and she has something to say about something the producers manipulated her into doing, which is really, really traumatic to listen to. I don't want to give it away to anyone, but if you Google it, um, you can read a news story on it. It's, uh, it's that, it's that full on that it's kind of made it into the news what she has to say. But yeah, Gab, tell me, you spoke to Rob Mills recently and yeah, tell me about what he has to say.
2: I, I did speak to Rob Mills because, um, you, you know, everyone remembers Rob from... Millsy. The, uh, Millsy. from the first season of Australian Idol. He came fifth. He obviously had that hookup with Paris Hilton <laughs> he's been trying to live down ever since. But he's actually moved on into a really successful acting and musical theatre career. Um, one, one of the most successful post-idol graduates ever, I'd say, not necessarily with record sales, but with a long-lasting, successful career. And he was, you know, he was the cheeky guy. He was, you know, the teen heartthrob, that kind of thing. And so you probably think, oh, he had it easy. He went on the show and everyone loved him. But he recounts this story of just coming out of the show and being mobbed. And you might think, oh, yes, yeah, so what? People were, were mobbing you. Isn't that what you got into it for? But he had a – it was like serious, full-on grabbing at him. And he had a panic attack and kind of was on his own, didn't have anyone there to support him, went to this hotel room and, and had – You know, suicidal thoughts going through his mind. He's like, "Oh my gosh, hold on, what have I got myself into? What's going on? You know, who can I turn to? Who can I talk to?" And it's it's just this um, comment in the show that he says, and then you kind of go, "Oh, wow, okay, gosh, I never would have thought that." So we thought we'd have a chat to him to, to, you know, he's an "Are You Okay" ambassador partly because of this. And, and we thought he'd have a lot to say about the experience and, and you know, and, and the fact that reality TV basically, you know, took him to such a dark place. So here's what
3: he had to say to us. I, I do understand it then. I, I still don't understand it now. I do understand the hysteria that comes with celebrity. I don't even like the word. Um... I had a horrible time that night. Um, they recognised as well. I went to went to my hotel and um, thought about jumping off my balcony. And I've never never thought about it since. But that moment was well, this could be it, Rob. You know that this you could end it right now, and um, um, you wouldn't have to worry about people grabbing you and the panic that you're feeling. And I think it was. I didn't know what it was. I think that's what it was. And everyone seemed to know who I was. I think mean, that was really a, um, sort of the, that, the first time that I ever thought about that.
2: Right, right. Because yeah, I, d- I did want to talk about that because obviously when we hear that on the show, I mean, I, w- I was shocked to hear that that had, had gone through your mind.
3: Oh, mate, it was a, it was a, um, it was a, it was a split second um, thought that I'll never forget. Um, that weighs heavily on my. Yeah. Um yeah, i my being. I'm an mad bath to that are you okay day now because of um because of that moment uh and because of um, um other things I've gone through in, in, in my life that um I feel like you need to be surrounded by people who who who, who give a shit about you, like you actually care and um yeah, and can ask if you're okay and be there to listen. And and I do so for my friends as well. Um, but yeah, that, that moment was Um, Terrifying I was most certainly not okay And I felt like I didn't have anyone
2: yeah, so that was part of my chat with Rob. You can read more from, about that in this week's Who magazine. But it was yeah, it was definitely interesting talking to him and the way he's moved on from the show. I mean, you might not think of reality stars as marginalised Australians, but the episode really does allow mm. people who are famous for being famous in many cases to, to answer their critics and discuss the experience. And you should um, maybe rethink what you assume about the experience. You might think, oh, yeah, it's yeah. fun and it's great. But, yeah, it's not always... So, um, so, Matt, it's, it's kind of sobering viewing in some ways.
0: It is, it is, but it's also compulsory viewing. And you can see you can't ask that on the ABC and on iview. And if you or anyone you know is having problems, contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. To binge or not to binge? That's the question. Gavin, you've been watching Get Shorty on Stan.
2: I have, I have. That's right. It's another reboot. You'd probably recognise the name Get Shorty from either the original book by Elmore Leonard or the movie from 1995, which had John Travolta and Danny DeVito in it. Um, But this isn't a straight remake. Like the TV adaptation of Fargo, it takes the spirit of those original stories and spins it into something new. It's similarly themed, but it's a new, fresh take on the idea. In this incarnation of Get Shorty, Chris O'Dowd plays Miles Daly. He's a member of a crime syndicate. He's one of those guys who gets sent out to you know, hold people at gunpoint and, and take their money. He might kill them. He might not. Um, but his job, understandably, cost him his family. He, ha- he had a wife and a daughter, um, and they've moved on. They- they've moved away from him because they don't like the idea of him doing the work that he does. And so he kind of thinks, all right – if I change my job, I'll get my family back, even though his wife has pretty much well and truly moved on. She's got a new boyfriend. Um, but, you know, Miles is stuck in this idea that if all, if all he does is change the job he does, he'll get them back. So he decides to get into the movie business, as you do. He gets hold of a script in kind of unexpected circumstances. Let's just say it involves, uh, you know, a gunshot and some blood. And he takes the script and zeroes in on producer Rick Moorweather, who's played by Ray Romano. And uh, Rick isn't some big shot Hollywood producer, he specializes in director dvd fare, but you know he's the only guy that Miles can get in the door with. So he says that if Rick will provide him with an in to Hollywood and advise him how to produce the movie, he'll do everything else, including convincing his crime boss to bankroll the project. So that's the premise for this story about a criminal trying to break into the movie business. And it's, I mean, it's really fun. There are some fun scenes of Miles going about his job, turning up to heavy people and rough them off and hold, hold them at uh, gunpoint while he takes a call from L.A. and strategizes about the script he has. You know, he's holding someone at gunpoint and, go, and taking a call with a producer. And it's also one of those shows where the killing and violence often takes a back seat. They'll be playing out in the background while characters are having amusing conversations or otherwise preoccupied with their own concerns. And in the background behind them, you see someone tied Mm up, bouncing out of a burning house, things like that. Uh, You know, the criminals are very blase about the job they have for them it really is a job. Um, So I quite liked it. I, I wasn't sure what to expect i didn't see the original movie but this is you know there are different characters in this it is a completely different beast so yeah if you like that kind of fargo justified you know crime with a bit of a twist with a bit of an angle i would say give this a try and binge
0: sounds really interesting gavin if you want to watch get shorty check it out on stan it's time for this week's hidden gem this week's hidden gem is snowfall which is available on foxtel showcase and i've given it a go This one deals with the dawn of the crack cocaine crisis in 80s LA which is shown making its mark across different strata of society from the small time dealer to the top of the game Street hustler Franklin enters the cocaine game after a chance encounter that changes his life and lots of other people's lives too In fact, LA would never be the same again In the first episode we go from the streets of South Central to a wealthy white cocaine and sex party with lots of gratuitous nudity group sex and coke being blown up someone's bum with a straw (laughs) This really showcases The decadence at the top of the social strata Before the effects of the drugs business Inevitably starts descending downwards Laying waste to neighbourhoods and to lives I think we can guess that the punishments Will be unevenly distributed though This show has a nice sense of time And place but the illusions aren't as Gratuitous and in your face as they perhaps Were in shows like Stranger Things and Glow It's nicely done with some good performances And social commentary and it will definitely Hold your attention. Claire does that sound Good to you?
1: Yeah that sounds really Really interesting. Anything set during that time period, I, I I'm sort of instantly drawn to. I don't know if it's because it's the time that I grew up in, but uh, I can honestly say that my my childhood is very different from what you're describing. But yeah, it sounds sounds really gritty and good. I'm going to check it out.
0: It's good viewing. Now, if you're interested in watching Snowfall, check it out on Showcase. Well, that brings us to the end of another binge list. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please get in contact via Twitter. Check out Mr. Matt Denby. That's me. I am Claire and Gavin Scott ninety nine. We'll see you next week, and in the meantime, happy viewing. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello?